Okay. I was gone for how many weeks? Three, three weeks, three, right? Three episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three episodes. Okay. Hello, this is the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. I'm back. I hope you didn't miss me too much. I missed all of you. Um, I feel like I've only been hosting for six or so episodes, and then I had to leave for three of them. But uh, Ara, you did an amazing job hosting and uh, picking up the slack, and thank you. I was gone because my wife had a little baby boy on May 16th. He is happy and healthy. But uh, yeah, it's been keeping me busy. So I'm only now feeling like myself again, and even then I'm, I'm still on three hours of sleep. So guys, you'll, you'll have to help me out. Ara, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. I'm actually running on a, almost eight hours of sleep. It's weird. I've actually gotten good amounts of sleep basically every night this week. As your boss, that makes me very happy because I know what you're like when you don't sleep very well. So uh, good yeah. job, whatever system is keeping you from waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Hooray for sleeping meds. Will, how are hey. you, man? Good to have good, you back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's good to have you back. Um, I mean, it's good to have you back in my life. I haven't spoken <laughs> too much this week. It's been a really busy week. You've been working your ass off on many different projects. So yeah. we'll talk about a few of those today. Yeah. I think this, this, sort of, this week works out really well because if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, we try to have three guests, each come with their own little package of content or, or topics that they want to talk about. This week is pretty nicely divided into three segments. We'll start with WWDC. That was the big Apple developer conference. Lots of googly stuff in there. So this won't just be us talking about how Apple is great or anything like that. This is, we'll keep it as googly as possible. And there was a ton of stuff Apple purloined uh, <laughs> this year. We'll talk Love about USB-C being mandated on all electronic devices in the EU starting in 2024 which will include the iPhone. Fall a, of 2024, and that yeah, is important. Late 2024. So it's not happening for a while, but it's still a big deal. It also marks the absolute end of micro USB, probably, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's be you, honest. You sweet summer child. No, it some, isn't. Some, somebody's <laughs> still going to put out a micro USB powered you know, microphone or something, and everybody's going to hate their lives. But... Most likely, it's it's going going to die, and then uh, we'll end with Android 13 Beta 3. It launched yesterday. We actually delayed recording a little bit because we wanted some hands-on time with it. Unsurprisingly, not a huge update, but we are at platform stability now. Anecdotally, it is pretty stable. I don't yeah. see any show-stopping bugs. A lot of our audience, I, I asked people on Twitter this morning if they're daily driving it on their pixels, and a lot of them are saying yes. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but let's start with WWDC. So Will, I mean, I think it was interesting that iOS 16 took up 45 minutes of the two-hour keynote. Yeah, There were a lot of things that struck me as like, here is Apple acknowledging that there are areas of iOS 16 that they have held onto too closely over the years. And many of those were features that Android has sort of shown off as differentiators, customization being one of them. Yeah. There's this new lock screen customization engine that is pretty comprehensive, better than anything Android has, including widget support. So walk us through what's actually available for iPhone users now. Yeah, so in terms of the lock screen, it almost feels like their answer to Material U is like, oh, Google is actually automating everything right now. And so instead of doing that, we're just actually going to give you as many options as possible. And there's like a comprehensive color picker for your like font. There's multiple fonts now, which is like, I never thought that you'd see on a lock screen on iOS. There are widgets. Uh, the notifications are now hidden so you can ignore how bad they are on iOS. Almost out of Jelly Bean, which is like almost a decade old. It's crazy how different it is and how, I mean, it looks like iOS, but it, it feels like Android. And I'm, I'm like, honestly excited to, to try it on an iPhone because like, it does feel like something that 
Google is going to have to like respond with in Android 14. Right. It, it is interesting that, you know, as you said, Google hasn't offered lock screen widgets for a long time. Yeah. And then companies like Samsung have done it in a way that is more annoying than helpful. I think, Ari, if I'm not mistaken, like the way that you access widgets on a Samsung One UI device is, is pretty much like a touch whiz holdover. Yeah, basically, because I mean, especially because if you want to like really customize lock screen widgets on a Samsung phone, you have to use GoodLock, which is yeah. not for everybody. It's not translated in every country. It's not available in every country. And it's kind of an afterthought more than it is a completed thought. It's not great, but I mean, I'm also of the mindset of now that we have decent lock screen music controls, I haven't missed lock screen widgets. I'm happy we're going to get them back, but I also just, I use smart lock. Like, I don't spend that much time on the lock screen, do y'all? Well, no, I mean, there's not much to do on the lock screen right now. Like, I guess if there were things to do on it, I I could see it. Now, that said, I remember trying widgets, you know, pre-lollipop and being like, this is super cool. and then not really ever doing anything with them because i don't know i was also like i was like late high school early college at this point uh because lollipop comes out when i'm a sophomore in, in college so so you you had oh, an android phone in, in, in high school what don't, what's don't that? what was that like that young <laughs> i i didn't I, I didn't have the opportunity to have a smartphone in high school but i guess by the time you were in late high school or early college like was there already that divide between Android users and iPhone users? No, because that didn't really happen until college because the iPhone didn't come to like Verizon until I was 2011. I was That's a right. sophomore, yeah. my, the back half of my sophomore year. I remember. Yeah. So like that happens and a lot of people start getting iPhones. But up until then, it was actually like a lot of people had Android phones because it was only on AT&T and, and Verizon had the best signal where I grew up. So a lot of people were on Verizon or, or prepaid carriers. Um, and so like not a lot of people, I mean, I remember seeing like multiple windows phones for a while. Like it was actually like weirdly like, well, <laughs> I owned two windows phones, but that was before it was actually. Windows yeah. Phone. And, and so, so you hit college and iMessage starts becoming more of a thing. And by the time I'm like a junior in college, it, it's pretty well cemented of like, there's the handful of Android users and then everyone else in every single classroom has a MacBook and an iPhone. It's funny to think iMessage didn't arrive until 2011, yeah. which is four years after it, the iPhone itself debuted. 2011 was a really important year for Apple because that was when the Verizon version debuted on the iPhone 4S. Yep. And I think it was like the year after the debacle of the iPhone 4 where this big redesign and everybody was really excited about it. And then it had antenna gate and everybody <laughs> was given a bumper, a bumper case and told to deal with it. And then the 4S came out and it kind of fixed those problems. And then I lined up for an iPhone outside the Apple store in 2011. That was, I think the, the last time I did that, but I, I lined up overnight with my friends to get it first. And then I bought four of them and sold two of them on eBay for like twice the price that they were worth to people in Dubai who couldn't get them on the same day we did. How many PlayStation 5s are in your closet right now, Daniel? Uh, <laughs> one is on my desk, but I, I do have a confession to make. I bought an Xbox One S back in 2020 when they came out because yeah. it was really hard to get one. Yeah. And I still have it. I haven't opened it yet. I just kind of threw it in a closet and forgot that I bought it. So if anybody here in Canada wants an Xbox One S, I will sell it to you at a good price. <laughs> that is a very weird thing to admit because it's one of those things where like I've been so busy that every time I open that closet, I'm like, shit, I need to sell this Xbox One S. Um, not One S, sorry. Xbox Series S, not One S. Nobody wants an Xbox Terrible One S. Naming no. Terrible naming scheme. No. Um, anyway, let's talk about this. So lock screen customizations. I think the lock screen on a pixel today on android 12 13 is beautiful i also think it's very minimal it works but it also kind of relies on the always on display now apple did not announce always on display for existing iphones but it kind of makes sense that they are building this feature like they do on the apple watch you have your customized lock screen and then your phone 
goes into this hibernation mode or whatever, and it shows you an always on display with the markings of whatever customizations you have. I think for iPhone 14, that is gonna be something Apple really promotes as like a big deal. I just take for granted that every phone I use has an AOD and I, I actually like having it there, even though it's not as useful as it could be. Yeah. Especially since like, I don't know if you remember, but like the early Moto X, like 2013 Moto X, that had still the best always on display ever. Yes, right? it did. You Love hover your hand phone. over it, it turns on, it gives you your notifications, you hold down on the display, you get your peak and it improved all the way until like 2015 with the Moto X, oh, I forget the names. The style. Yes, like the style and the... Power, I want to say. No, that was pre-power. It was like, there were... Play? There was a... One of them no, was Play. Those, this well, was no, that, that was 16. Yeah, they debuted all of those, like the Moto G Play and stuff in 2016. Anyway, this was still when like they had sensors on the front of the phone that you could just wave your hand over it and you'd get your peaks still the no pun intended the peak of always on displays in my opinion but yeah. motorola kind of lost the plot between then and now yeah. well google sold them that didn't help <laughs> that's true all right let's move on there were a lot of other little things that apple kind of took from google here shared photo libraries for instance in the photos app that's something that google photos has supported for a long time it's a little clunky but this purports to make it a little simpler. You can bring up to five people in a shared library. You can choose to automatically share a photo from the camera app into a shared library, which I think is interesting. It will identify faces and share those faces between certain people. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always going to be a little bit awkward when you're relying on AI to determine what should be in a shared library and what shouldn't be. But I think it'll be really helpful for all Apple families. I just think Google Photos version is better because it's cross-platform. Yeah, yeah if you're going to do shared libraries, it has to be cross-platform because not everybody is going to be on the same ecosystem. I'm sorry, Apple. It's There's no way that everybody in your phone is going to have an iPhone, an iPad, and a uh, MacBook. I mean, no there is. But, but, there's yeah, a lot, that's, that's the case in a lot of yeah, American homes. Yeah, if you homes. make six or seven figures, maybe, but... Mm, I don't no. know. I think if... I know a lot of families that have two iPhones and their kids have all iPhones, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that's particularly exclusive anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, especially but when you for can, the computers. I mean, well, you don't need a. I mean, you can go to iCloud.com and I, I think you can view at least some of the photos. Yeah, it's clunky. It does. It sucks, but like you can do it. And like you know, for most people, the phone is the main computer anyway. Like that's how they're looking at photos. It doesn't matter if if they have a MacBook or not. That's true. I suppose. Yeah. So Apple has been working on on-device dictation for a while. I like this. Google has had this in Gboard. It improved it significantly with the Pixel 6, yep. with the Tensor chip. It's now all done on-device. It's super, super fast and reliable. Apple is actually allowing you to do this hybrid thing where you can type and talk at the same time. You can make edits with your voice if you want. I don't know how seamless it will be in practice. My guess is it won't be nearly as seamless as the demo makes it out to be, but it is nice that it can be one or the other and it will give you an, like an easy way of, like if I don't like the way that the iOS keyboard navigates between letters, I find it really janky. Like you tap on something and it doesn't always go to that place. But if you double tap on a word or a sentence and then you just press the dictation button, you can then say the correction and it looks like it will work. And then there's also emoji support and punctuation support. So this is nothing new, but the hybrid nature of it, I think makes it kind of interesting. Yeah, I could see, I'm, I'm not someone who uses dictation outside of like the car where you don't have much of a choice. I could see if it was like a hybrid model, like if that came to the Pixel 7 or something using that, but like I never really want to just like use my voice to like send a text message or even make a list but i guess if it was like oh i'm i'm typing but then i'm correcting things while i'm typing by saying stuff like that's streamlining the experience and that's actually useful so i'd like to see you know the hybrid model is interesting to me 
Well, yeah. I just want to know how quickly this gets shut off for so many people who are like me who will sometimes mutter along while they're typing. And this is going to turn into just you can't say anything while you type if this mode is enabled. Otherwise, it's just going to turn into a mess. No, I'm sure you have I think to mumble hit suppression a is. Yeah, yeah like I, I bet you mumble suppression is built into the machine learning model here. They're anticipating people like you, Ara. I, uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I know it's that. also the kind of thing that it's like, I can't keep talking and correct a word. While, but also, I mean, it can't have two cursors where one is the what it, you're saying and one is what you're typing, right? No, I th it, it'll it, be deliberate. Everything you do must, I think, be deliberate. But also, Apple's typing experience has never been as good no. as it, Gboard, in my opinion. They're just getting I mean, they just add, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was another thing I wanted to bring up. Like, they just added haptic support for the native keyboard in 2022. <laughs> oh, man, I really want to try this to see how good it is. Because like the vibration motor on an iPhone is generally better than anything you'll find on an Android phone. But um, the only keyboard on iOS that used it was Gboard on iOS, which is like a terrible experience because Apple hamstrings every single third party keyboard and the haptic feedback on that sucks anyway. It's like yeah. completely maxed out. So like it, it's it's like if you if it was a slider, it'd be at 100 percent. So every key just like vibrates your entire hand. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> so it, I'm yeah. sure this will be better than that. I'm sure it'll be like you, you might be able to adjust it or whatever. It's cool that they're adding it. But like, Jesus Christ, it's so late. And it's so like, why now? Like, why wasn't this in here 10 years ago? But I don't know. But I might be in that weird minority where I've always hated haptics on a keyboard. Like I deliberately turn that shit off on every single phone I get. Like I'm that's part of why I log in just swift key on every single phone because it will automatically just turn that off. I don't yeah. want it to vibrate while I'm typing. The screen is small enough and it'll move touch targets just that tiny little bit. But with keys, it matters. Mm -hmm. All right. A couple more I just want to touch on. Multi-stop support in Apple Maps. That's yawn worthy, but it's also like, <laughs> why did the like this wasn't it's only already a yawn there. if it isn't worthwhile to have added it and they, well, they I mean, needed to add this they needed to add so it, bad but it's weird that they got it got so much attention like i i didn't this know is table stakes yeah i didn't know it didn't have this like I, I would have just if you had asked i think the entire like android please slack room was like they added what like what do you mean they added that like that wasn't it's, there it's so funny that's like the most i use multi-stop all the time all the time yeah. in Google Maps. It's insane that it wasn't there. The fitness app is now coming to phones. So I didn't realize this because I've always, whenever I've used an iPhone, I always pair it with an Apple Watch. But I guess for people who don't have an Apple Watch, they didn't have access to the fitness app on an iPhone. This will change with iOS 16, which allows you to like manually track runs and things like that. Again, not a huge thing, but something that like, not that Google Fit is a competitor to Apple Fitness because it isn't, but any Android user has had access to Google Fit independently for years, but like Fitbit users obviously can't add to the Fitbit app unless they have a bit of Fitbit hardware. So I don't know, it's minor. A couple other things like Apple Mail is getting robust search and like semantic search, which again, something that Gmail has had forever, but this is built into the Apple Mail app. Improvements to the search experience on an iPhone is a little bit, it's not something Apple stole from Google per se, but it's its just like Siri is getting slightly better and the search experience is getting slightly better. Whereas all Android phones just have Google search at its disposal whenever it wants. So, and it's always like fairly well built in. I don't know how much this is going to make a difference, but it is. Let's talk a little bit about the things that Apple added that aren't available in Android. This one, the, we called it drag and drop the dog, is, uh, is probably the coolest iOS feature that I would like to see. So, Will, walk us through what this is, because I, I think this is like a big step up in terms of what Apple has been able to accomplish in like isolating a subject from a photo based on like all of its machine learning improvements over the years. I mean, yeah, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like the best use of this was was on the lock screen, actually, right? I think that was part of where they were using it, where you could drag objects over like the clock, right? And so like it basically created like layers where it was like separating the background from the foreground and, and making like almost like a 3D effect, but not really. Um, yeah. So like 
it, it basically is is highlighting like an object and then it, it i don't think it's just that you can also like basically make like a sticker out of it for like iMessage and 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 you know so like the example they used which is why we called it this is that they they highlighted a dog on a beach and then like moved the dog to iMessage just the dog not the beach and then like sent the dog on like a white like a blank wallpaper and it was like that's the dog now and I guess you could do whatever you wanted with that but I could see it being super buggy. I mean, that's going to turn into instant iMessage stickers for everything. Like, you're going to be able to take a picture of yourself and turn yourself instantly into an iMessage sticker is what it looks like. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, but also just is going to be super duper, duper annoying. I just want to clarify the workflow here. So you have a photo, you have a subject, and then there's a background behind it. So Apple has always been pretty good about creating portrait photos using pretty decent edge detection, right? It started with the iPhone 7 Pro, wasn't great. It was in beta for a long time. It's since improved dramatically. If you use portrait mode on an iPhone, it's pretty much as good as it is in the industry. Like Samsung does it fairly well. Google, I don't think does it particularly well because there's such a stark contrast between the foreground and the background subject still. Apple tries to create sort of a parallax effect, which is um, or not parallax effect. It's, it tries to create sort of this gradual background smoothing so that it doesn't seem like the subject is so dominant in, in the picture. Anyway, if you find a picture with a clear subject, you hold your finger down on it and the engine, the machine learning engine, will basically detect the edges of that subject and copy it. And you can then paste it wherever you want. You can paste it into Instagram, to iMessage, into WhatsApp as a sticker. You can drag it into a lock screen and just create your own weird lock screens. But what it looks like, and I've seen this in demos, not from Apple themselves, but from people using the developer preview, the edge detection is remarkable. It's really, really good. And I think Google should just steal this feature wholesale. Ridiculously fun. It's going to make memeing really, really good. And like it goes to that idea that Apple is the fun company now, that it's trying to find a little bit of whimsy in its phones that it just didn't allow for in previous versions. And Google is moving, like Material U is obviously based on personalization, but it's, I think Android itself is like a little bit less playful than it used to be. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're losing a lot of that in the marketing too right? We're at Android 13. We're not at Android tiramisu or whatever. And I do think Apple is now like leaning into that whimsy a little bit more. And this is just one of those features that's going to make all the Gen Z memers go crazy. And I think it'll be a really big hit. I mean, it's obvious from the way they present it too, because it's like, I mean, this, this is Mac, this is an iOS, but Apple's making weed jokes about like how they picked the code name for, for the new version of Mac OS. And then Google's like, it's Android 13 and like maybe we'll whisper to you what the code name is. But like we don't. Yeah, exactly. You know, we if you ask yeah, nicely. if you ask really nicely, but like don't, you know, it's Android 13 guys. Like we're we're professionals here. And it's it's weird that like they're doing these, you know, there was that like slow-mo shot of of uh oh my god, I can't remember his name, Craig um Federighi. Thank you. Uh yeah, there was like yeah, that. He's a meme in of itself. Like it it's so weird to like watch and like it didn't it wasn't winning me over and then at the end of it i was like all right i guess that was like at least they're having fun with it if they're gonna you know have to do these like pre-recorded segments or whatever and that's obviously just the event but it really carries over into the operating system too where it's like all of a lot of the features they talked about we're gonna make it easy for you to have fun on your smartphone which is like not really you know google's big thing and we can talk about android 13 in a minute but google's big thing this year is like We've ironed out the bugs of material material you now it's you know a little bit deeper and a little bit less buggy mm-hmm. and also we focused on privacy and security which is important but it's not fun there's no drag and drop the dog no in android 13 not really i mean there are like i think they're leaning into some of that fun in the marketing around like magic eraser right yeah which this translates super well like that's the next version of Magic Eraser is just copying drag and drop the sure, dog. exactly. Like, yeah. Well, and more importantly, Google doesn't necessarily need to copy drag and drop the dog. They need to copy that edge detection for Magic Eraser because that's what I need. It's, 
when I'm deleting good, a thousand different tourists out of my phone. Yeah, it is. It is very like it is very good at the moment. It's just not. It's Wait, not do perfect. you want Disney World to look empty? <laughs> no, I want Disney World to be empty so the lines are empty <laughs> and I can get on the rides I want like ten times in a Fair row. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so I want to dedicate like a minute to talk about CarPlay. You wrote something sure. about this next gen CarPlay preview. Walk us through what it is, Will, and like how Apple is sort of presenting next gen CarPlay as a bit of a coup against yeah. Android Automotive. Yeah, I think this really confused people because I I think this is so far off that Apple is not being totally upfront about what this is because I was comparing it directly in my piece to to Android Automotive, which is not Android Auto. Android Automotive is a dedicated operating system that powers some like a handful of cars in the market it's finally actually like coming to vehicles people buy like in mass like not a lot of people buy polestar vehicles but now you if you go buy like a chevy silverado it's powered by android auto mode sorry automotive god uh terrible branding this kind of splits the difference so it's still using your phone but it's going to talk to your car to display like all of the instrument panels. So the speedometer and the odometer and your gas tank, your, I, I think your tire pressure, um, but certainly like your, your, you know, gas range. And it, it's also going to like link up with your personal account. So it'll show your calendar for the day. It'll show like weather. It'll have all of your Spotify or Apple music or whatever you're using on, on your iPhone. It'll control the climate in your car. It'll do everything in one interface that is designed for you it's personalized for you and this is like the exact opposite of what automotive does where google goes to car manufacturers and says hey do whatever you want with it like skin it as much as you want to the point where it's like gmc and chevy are both gm companies and their use of Android Automotive looks fairly similar, but still has different icons, like slightly different icons for no reason other than, oh, we skinned it a little different so that, you know, you can tell if you're in a a GMC or a Chevrolet. This is like Apple being like, no, no, no. The driver is the person who matters here. We don't care about the car company. All we need to do is get their permission to let the phone talk to the car. And otherwise, like the driver gets to pick what their experience looks like. And that's what I would have expected from Google, to be honest, like it's weird that this is this is the way this is going. But it's like I would you I, though? I I feel like that's not the trend that Google has tended to go in over the last decade or so. I mean, it defers to OEMs as much as possible. It does not like to have a heavy hand when it comes to forcing well, also whenever they take a really heavy hand in forcing anything like this either the oems just aren't going to go for it at all or yeah App or google's going to get sued for it like they couldn't go this heavy for android automotive even if they wanted to but more importantly whenever i saw that it like took over the instrument clusters and everything and everything was the app interface i was like i don't know how i feel about this especially if it was going to be an android version of it because Android Auto has had bugs from the past. Android Automotive, I'm gathering, will have bugs at some points in any time that you're dealing with a phone connected to a car. Something's going to go wrong. True. Uh, and I just looked at that instrument panel and I went, I do not like that. That makes me antsy about, you know, trusting the instrument panels on my car. And that's not good. So there are several arguments here. One is that analog and like basic digital panel or, or um, uis fail i mean i'm not against digital uis for these things i'm against having that be oh it's your car but your phone is going to take over and show these instead right but the reason they are taking so long for this integration is the same reason companies like ford and gm are being very cautious about integrating android automotive into their lineup i mean take ford for example right like they're debuting a brand new version of sync alongside Android Automotive, only one or two of their cars released in 2022-2023 are going to be powered by Android Automotive. The rest are going to have this new version of Sync. Companies are being extremely cautious about this. They all support CarPlay and Android Auto, right? Everything supports that. That is table stakes. But giving over control to an OEM is, I think, a big deal on both sides, right? Google is 
giving the code over and, and, and like, I don't know how closely they're working with these car manufacturers on integration, but like they have to be solid. They have to be reliable every single time. I'm driving a 2018 MDX right now where all of the climate control, like the AC, for instance, I cannot activate the AC manually on the dash. I have to press a button on the touchscreen. There have been times where that touchscreen does not work. I turn off the car, I turn it back on. I had to go to a dealer once to get the whole system reset in the middle of summer, and I did not have AC until I did that. So it's not just Google and Apple that are having problems. Integration is difficult, and especially when cars are becoming more like computers every day, that's gonna to continue to be a concern. I think what Apple's doing here is they are doing exactly what they did to the US carriers 10 years ago. They're saying, we are dictating terms here and you're gonna like oh, yeah. it or not. You're gonna, we're giving customers control over personalization because they're gonna want to customize the way it looks. But ultimately, if you choose to allow this service into your car, you're not gonna have any way of controlling it because it's the customer's iPhone that powers it, not the car's computer itself. There's a reason that that's why they announced it now, because they're saying they're going to announce vehicles. So so they they detailed some partners. Uh, Ford is is probably the most prominent of them. But they're like vehicle announcements coming fall 2023. So we're a year and in five months from that. Oh, like, no, we're two like, vehicles. We're two years from these vehicles, because if they're announced. No, no, no I know we're two fall. years from the vehicles. I'm saying that we're a year and five months away from finding out what cars will support this like we're two years from cars hitting the road with this i suppose although like that's around when 2024 models will launch so it's, it's possible but what they're doing is showing customers like look at this cool interface that you get to pick that is going to be in your next car don't you want this and every iphone owner is going to be like i do kind of want that and then like car companies are going to feel the pressure to to support this yeah okay a couple other things before we move on dark sky the super popular cross-platform app that apple bought and then killed on android is now getting an api through WeatherKit, so companies or, or app developers will be able to integrate dark sky powered weather information into their own apps which yep. super jealous of i loved dark sky the iPad is finally getting its own dedicated weather app after 12 years, which is bananas. Safari is adding collaborative tab sharing, which sounds boring, but as Ryan writes in his piece, it's not boring. It's a really good idea that Chrome should totally steal. It basically allows people to group together tabs, add tabs to a live shared list, and then collaborate that way. Apple also announced something called, what was it? Um, it's a collaboration tool, uh, Jotter? No, I forget what it's called, but they're, they're basically trying to like steal Notion from under them. They're trying to Sherlock all of these other tools. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that I don't think we're gonna be able to get to. Apple Pay later is really interesting. You'll be able to use Apple Pay to make four equal installments on basically anything that supports Apple Pay. Apple itself is becoming a financial services company because it's fronting a lot of this, which is fascinating. So yeah, there's there's a lot more that we've written about on the site. Uh, we're not gonna be able to cover today. What they didn't announce, not surprisingly, support for RCS. That is not happening on the iPhone anytime soon. They did announce a bunch of Apple message stuff, a bunch of iMessage improvements, but not RCS support. Didn't even hint at it. No. Google has called them out twice this year. They called them out in a tweet in January, and then they called them out on stage last month at I.O. of like straight up, we hope competitors start supporting RCS. And of course, we think iMessage is the most secure and stable and fun way to like, no, 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 we're too big at this point in, in North America. Like you either chat with iMessage or you don't. We don't even need to respond to Google like trying to call us out here. Um, I, I think at this point, like I unless sms like dies it, it, that that will be the only thing that gets them to support rcs at this point sms is dead in my opinion i hate texting people i mean like literally like you can't send an sms anymore yeah, unless, that, it, that's, unless yeah. it is turned off by all yes. of the carriers <laughs> that's what i mean like like we're now only supporting rcs on on verizon like 
it, maybe that could happen someday, but that's last resort stuff. That's the only thing I see happening. I mean, once they turn off 3G infrastructure, I would not be surprised, but could happen. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to support it natively through LTE for a long time. They could turn it off if they wanted to and just force everybody onto a new one. But knowing Verizon and at t it would be like a proprietary RCS that doesn't actually conform to universal profile, and then everybody would hate it again. So Verizon Messages Plus or whatever it was called. It exists. Yeah, I... It still exists. <laughs> no, I know. I had phones with Messages Plus preloaded, and it was, yeah, it was, it's a bad messaging app. It probably still exists. I don't know. All right. So this has been a long time coming, but the European Union passed a preliminary law mandating the use of USB-C in basically anything that has a charging port, that includes the iPhone. So this isn't going to mean massive changes for Android users, but it will mean that starting in fall of 2024, the iPhone will likely need to adhere to this unless Apple can find a way around it or appeal. It also doesn't mean that they can launch the iPhone or release the iPhone in the EU with a lightning cable or lightning port and lightning to USB adapter. It has to be built into the device. They were very clear about it. They said, if Apple wants to market their products, sell their products within our internal market, they have to abide by our rules. And this Apple device has to be USB-C. This is a rule that applies to everyone. Now, some people have said that USB-C is already 10 years old. It's a pretty flawed standard. As we know, it could be improved upon and that maybe they should have worked with the USB integration forum to develop USB-D or whatever, some other version of USB that is slightly more reliable, that doesn't have all these charging issues that's a little bit smaller. But unfortunately, because it's been around and fairly ubiquitous for half a decade now, or even more, most devices do launch with USB-C, and this is the standard that makes sense right now. And I, I don't know, I, I think it's the right move, right? It'll cut down on e-waste and it'll just force manufacturers to consolidate under one charging standard. Yeah, what, what do you guys think about this? I love it. I love everything about it. Because, I mean, think about this. If you go to a gas station right now and you're like, oh, I need a phone cable, there are three. There's a micro USB cable, there's a lightning cable, and there's a USB-C cable. And in a lot of places, there's going to be only one cable that's really crappy that's going to be micro USB, and then you plug in your lightning or USB-C cable on the end of it, and it just slow charges everything because it's crap. I love the idea of us going to one unified standard. USB-C is stable. It is it All of the charging kinks have been worked out. They added extended power range last year, so we're going to be getting even more high-power devices that are going to have it. I love this. Please. Like, oh, you need to charge your phone? Here's a cable. Easy as that. So I, I think Apple's going to switch to... I th that rumor that the 2023 iPhone will switch to USB-C, I think will happen. Um, that said, I'll play devil's advocate and, and hook onto the other rumor that's been around forever, which is that Apple would go portless to get around this and be like MagSafe or, or you know, Qi wireless charging. That's, that's the future. I will say I, I was hanging out with some friends over the weekend and... Uh, it, it was split fairly evenly between iPhone and Android users. The house we were at, the two people who live there all have Android devices. And uh, I had a friend with an iPhone who was like, hey, does anyone have a, a charger for me to use? And like the thing that was handed to him was not a, a, an, a lightning cable. It was a power bank that had wireless charging on it. And I do wonder if Apple decides, you know what, actually, maybe we will just do this because uh, he just that that was what he ended up charging his phone with. I could see it happening. That said, I don't think it will. I think it'll be USB-C. But, you know, there is that world where Apple does decide, you know, screw it. We'll, we'll just do portless and we'll sell MagSafe accessories. But you I don't think so. Have, you still have to have a I, way I to I don't think so. I'm playing devil's advocate. I, I actually don't think it'll happen. No, but I, I, it, I, it, it could. I, I think they've experimented with it. And I think that it's not so much a charging issue. It's a data transfer speed yes. issue. Yes. Do they care, though? Yes! I don't know. You have to I mean, be able to fix iPhones. And in order to fix a broken iPhone that doesn't have a charge, you're going to need to be able to connect to it for data and figure out what the heck is wrong with it. They could do something internally with that. Though. They, could, they could, right? If they could. I, I agree. There's some sort of DFU mode that relies yep. on a pogo pin hidden somewhere under the USB. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, there's no USB. There's uh, no I, USB. I don't know. You'd have to pop off that unibody yeah, but... back in order to 
troubleshoot anything on but it. But if you're taking it to the Apple store anyway, like they're already going to do that probably. So Apple's selling you $70,000 iPhone repair kits these days anyway. So, you know, you can do it, it yourself in a suitcase. Um, a, a really heavy Pelican case. Um, I fix it has a really interesting video where they tear down the iPhone repair tools that Apple oh, created. Okay, that's cool. And some of it is just remarkable in how over-engineered it is. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's Apple, right? So you're, you know, it's not surprising. Anyway, I think it'll be interesting if Apple does switch to USB-C. I don't love USB-C. I'll be honest. I think the fact that it is slightly bigger than Lightning has always bothered me. It's an external plug, right? Like the pins are on the inside of the device rather than the other way around. That is also a potential reliability issue. I think Lightning is actually a really good, reliable port. I just think, the A, the data transfer speeds are always going to be a problem because it's pegged on USB 2, and it's proprietary. The other thing that the EU is not enforcing here, though, is USB-C on wearables. So you buy a Fitbit today or whatever. You buy a Galaxy Watch 4, uh, likely the Pixel Watch. You get a proprietary wireless charger that ends with a USB-A port. And that's still the case today for most wearables that you buy. And I'm surprised that the EU didn't go far enough here and mandate USB-C endpoints on these chargers. I would have yeah. loved to have seen that because that's one of the few things that well and truly pisses me off about the Galaxy Watch 4 and likely the Galaxy Watch 5 is that they still use that freaking USB-A charging cable. But at the same time, I feel like it's a smaller category. I don't know. I want it to happen. I'm very sad that they didn't. I also feel like they're picking their battles. Mm -hmm. And it's since it's a smaller market than, oh, here are literally all of the... Everybody has a smartphone. Not everybody has a wearable. I also think it's, it's interesting. Like you, you often get, say, headphones or earbuds where the termination point will be a USB-A port. So it'll be a C to A. And yeah. I believe this mandates C to C, right? Mm -hmm. Throughout the entire charging process. Well... Having to write about a bunch of accessories like power banks and headphones and whatnot, if it comes with a power uh, a USB-C to USB-A cable, that tells me it's not power delivery. So that tells me that if I plug it into a power delivery charger, it's a 50-50 chance of whether or not it charges or whether or not it just sits there and does nothing. Right. So yeah. unless they were going to mandate everybody using USB-C power delivery... I don't see them forcing all of the charging, thing, all the things that plug into a power, uh, like for the iPhone, it was a matter of it's what charges into the device, not what charges into the wall. So yeah, I, I, but I think I'm not sure. I have to, I have to be honest. I, I don't, I haven't read through this entirely, but I would not be surprised if it does mandate USB-C termination points. If only because they are saying that there is a, they've harmonized not just on the port itself, but on a harmonized fast charging technology. And there is really only one in the USB-C standard. It's power delivery. So. Well, everything else is built on top of power delivery, but yes. Correct. But if it doesn't, if, as you said, if it doesn't support power delivery, it's hit or miss whether it will work in particular chargers, right? So yeah. you have power delivery, you have PPS power delivery, but that's building a standard on top of another standard. And I don't think the EU would let this slide. So we'll have to see, but I would be very surprised if headphones, earbuds, anything that's sold with a USB-C cable plugging into the device will be allowed to terminate with a USB-A cable at the end of it. It also depends on the power requirements. Because I mean, below 15 watts, you don't even necessarily need USB-C power delivery. You don't, but this is more about but this is more about standardization. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. also just more efficient, right? Power delivery means that you have yes. access to a variety of voltages within power delivery. So you're not mandated to go above 10 watts or 5 watts or anything using power delivery anyway. Yeah. Power delivery would mean that you could buy a single 100-watt USB-C charger and it can charge literally everything that you own. From and that's your the dream. Headphone. Right? Yeah, that's the real dream is the one charger, one, uh, probably two or three cables just so you can charge multiples at once because most of these are multi-port chargers. But one charger, one cable, all devices. If I'm going on vacation, I would love to be able to just pack one charger, one power bank, and one cable. Love it. That is the dream here. And that is the way that we hopefully cut down on this e-waste because I know that I have about 50 cables in this apartment that just do nothing but gather dust. And I'm willing to bet in your apartment, it's pro uh, in your home, it's probably, what, 20? 
I mean, it's it's up there. I have I have my like bag of cables that I that oh, I, I just purge every once in a while, but yeah, it's 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 bad. Yeah, I have like a 20 by 20 by 6 or 8 inch drawer and half of it is cables. But I also made the mistake of throwing away all of my micro USB cables no, last no, year. No, 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 no. And then it's I not- realized that I still need it for like three or four things in my life, including my Kindle. So, yeah, it's bad. It's bad news. Hey, at least the new Kindles will be USB-C. That's true. Okay, um, finally, we'll just spend a couple minutes talking about Android 13 Beta 3. But there really isn't that much to say here, Will. Like, this is platform stability. We get one more beta in July, and then we are moving on to the final version in August, I believe. So that's, you know, we're, we're, we're basically there. I mean, this has been the longest developer preview slash beta period that we've had. I know that the first developer previews were a little buggy, but since beta one, things have been fairly stable. Um, so what is new, if anything, in, in this version? There's a couple bug fixes. They, they've kind of tweaked how Material use new shades were working, specifically the like, vibrant uh, setting was not like fully popping depending on your wallpaper. So like you would set like a bright blue background but the like toggles and settings or like icons would still kind of be washed out and and so they fixed that they they changed a little bit of how like per app language settings work uh you know now that will only show apps that support it um it's really small stuff like that honestly the the biggest thing or the thing that i think is getting the most uh eyes on it is that um they (laughs) changed They changed, so gestures on Android are already pretty similar to how they work on uh, iOS uh, after, you know, a couple years of Google trying, you know, that pill and, and all that. It, it's pretty much just a bar uh, it, and, you know, they, they did different things for the back gesture. Um, it's now uh, thicker and, and bolder, I would say. And it, it literally, the line is just the the iOS line. It's just straight up. Like, I think if you lined it up, it would be perfect. And I think it's just so funny that like they're not even like pretending it's a slightly different gesture. It's just the same as it is on iOS now. Um, that's how slim the changes are in beta three. But it is very funny that like one of the most noticeable ones is that like, boy, does that does that, uh, you know, gesture navigation bar look a lot like the iOS one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're running Android 13 beta, you should be in pretty good, um, pretty good Absolutely. standing. Uh, if you're running Android 12, QPR 3 is now public. So if you were going through the beta program, uh, that's over. Uh, you can opt out of the beta program or choose to opt into the Android 13 beta if you want. But QPR 3 is basically June's bug fixes for Pixel 4 and up, as well as a new feature drop. The feature drop was interesting, Ara. Like, there was a new app that Google commissioned by Teenage Engineering um, to kind of mirror its pocket operator instruments, um, synthesizer instruments. It's a really kind of cute, weird app that kind of makes sense as a Pixel exclusive. Um, we have a hands-on on it. Ryan wrote that up. I've been playing around with it. It's it's nice. It's not it's nothing special, um, but it is interesting. It's interesting, but it's also one of those things that I'm like, you you spent my Pixel, you p- spent the feature drop for June on this, and there's like, guys, couldn't we do something productive? Well, I mean, there's. Like, I, I think I there are lots fun, of other. But it's. Well, we we were just criticizing Google for not having for not this being the fun true. company we anymore. So I'm, yeah, Google I was going to say. Fun, I'm kind of happy about it. We do get fun. I'm just like I'm okay. Another cool. Where's toy. my spreadsheet manager, Google? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a couple other things. There are now more options in, in the at a glance widget, including previews for your doorbell reminders if you left on your flashlight which i do all the time which is kind of neat um there's some more wallpapers pride uh wallpapers which which are great um you know that they're there Uh, and i think one feature that's a little bit interesting is that you can now store your vaccine cards digitally on your phone now i know that most parts of the u.s and canada have dropped vaccine mandates so i don't know how useful this is in june 2022 uh, I, I'm going to be honest, it's no one, I haven't been asked for mine since, uh, I don't even know when. Well, but yeah, I mean, it's it's good that it's there. I think 
most impactful is the addition of car crash detection in a bunch of new countries, which is good. And there's this new Gboard feature that I think is kind of neat. So the, you can now turn like little phrases into stickers. All right, like th- this has been A-B tested for months, but now you can basically do it with any like short phrase. I don't know. It's it's cute. It's kind of like the emoji kitchen, right? There are now more emoji emojis that are supported in the kitchen, but I don't see a lot of people using this, but the people that do use it like really like it. Yeah, I mean, it it's really really small, but it'll be really really great for those people who have their own little catchphrases. But yeah, I'm I'm super excited for there being more in emoji kitchen cuz I love emoji kitchen and I wish emoji kitchen worked on everything and not just Gboard cuz I'm still very much a Swift key girl, but I will switch to Gboard just for emoji kitchen. You're a Swift key girl? I am a Swift key girl. I've been a Swift key girl for about 7 years. Oh my god. <laughs> Am I fired? That's gross. I was no, going to say the look of disgust. I just, in ju- I just face judge right you now. so Excuse hard. Excuse y'all. I'm I'm sorry. I just I love the way that it, the way that SwiftKey does punctuation is just so much better for me because I can just uh, swipe right for I think it was a question mark and swipe left for either a comma or an exclamation point. But being able to just swipe for uh, the common punctuation rather than have, having to either click into the punctuation menu or long press the a button just is so much easier for me. Yeah. But you're using SwiftKey. It's true. I don't know. <laughs> my apologies for giving Microsoft some business. Um yeah. Oh, anyway, we'll leave we'll leave uh the this podcast on on, on a dour note, but uh want to thank everybody for Swift listening. This is awesome. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. We're going to get so much SwiftKey hate. Let, yeah, if People you do use SwiftKey, email us podcast at androidpolice.com. Um, Will, Ara, thank you. Uh, This has been really fun. If anybody listening is an iPhone user or is iPhone adjacent and has somebody in their life that is interested in iOS 16, let us know. We'd love to hear from you as well. Let us know what you think of the new changes to um, the EU legislation, how it'll affect potentially you if you live there. Uh, I do know that we have some some listeners in in Europe, which is awesome. And then finally, if you're daily driving Android 13, uh, please let us know. I'm super excited. I, I just put it on my my Pixel 6 Pro. I'm running it as a daily driver now for the first time, so we'll see. That's it. That's the show. We'll be back next week. Uh, until then, have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.